Hey, Real Talkers, former Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi, you probably saw, appeared at a rally over the weekend calling out Premier Danielle Smith for her recently announced policies on pronouns and parents' rights, sex ed, and trans women in sport. It's got people wondering if the winner of the 2014 World Mayor Prize might be gearing up for an Alberta NDP leadership run. Now, if that's the case, it's safe to suggest Nenshi would immediately be seen as a formidable candidate But is he a good fit? We get into it with Charles Adler. Plus, in this episode, Shauna Feth, CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, has her eye on Alberta business. She tells us what they're lobbying the province for when it comes to the upcoming Alberta budget and why they're asking the province to drop that insurance premium tax. Did you even know that that one existed? Well, we've all got lots to learn. Let's go. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the show. This is uh, basically the kickoff, the day that we're recording this. This is Monday, February 5th, the NDP leadership race in Alberta. So we're expecting at least one announcement today, the day that we're recording this. And then, of course, the floodgates will open as each of those leadership candidates picks their spot, the spot that they believe is the best spot to announce their candidacy. Do you want to be first out of the gates? Do you want to wait until some of the hubbub has passed and there's been a bit of a lag? You know, it's tough to maintain the public's attention. So sometimes you'll see some of the more serious leadership bids announced a few weeks in or even a month into the race. And then there are those that, well, nobody's quite sure if they're going to be entering the race or not, but they're still getting their names out there. They're still keeping in the public eye. One of those, probably the most notable example of that, would be former Calgary Mayor Nehed Nenshi, who was making some noise in Cowtown over the weekend, taking direct shots at Alberta's Premier Danielle Smith over her recently announced policy on transgender youth pronouns, parents' rights, sex ed, women, trans women in sport. We obviously covered this a little bit last week, and of course we'll be covering it more in days and weeks to come, uh, the more and more uh, that we learn about the policy and how it's impacting people. We're going to get into all of this today with Charles Adler, you know, the Emmy award-winning talk show host who joins us the first episode of every week. And we'll be getting to some of the emails that we've been receiving from you over the past couple of days, including one that I absolutely loved from David. If you were checking out Friday's episode, you know we bring you the flamethrower presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. This is emails from real talkers that are sounding off, giving us their hot takes. And and there, and there was one from Kyle who wrote in, and he talked about an NDP plant at a town hall, at an Alberta pension plan town hall. Well, guess what? David wrote in, and the subject line of his email is, I'm the quote NDP plant. I love it. David didn't know who Kyle was. He didn't expect to hear himself described to a T, let alone during the flamethrower on Real Talk, but that's exactly what happened. So he shares the flip side of the coin. If you're listening to this on the podcast or on YouTube, now's maybe a good time to hit pause for a second. Go back, listen to the flamethrower. You know, we release it as a separate podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, five to 10 minutes, typically, always entertaining. 
training, and that'll help you understand the groundwork for what David's going to get into. We'll touch on that today. And it's the first Monday of the month, which means we're also going to check in, put our eye on Alberta business. That's Sean Effeth, the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. We're going to be getting into some of the top stories that Sean is keeping an eye on, including labor market information up to date, and of course, that talent development, recruitment, and the role that talent plays in building and bolstering the economy across this province that we call home. Looking forward to all of that, but I have to let you know, none of it would be happening without the support of Rello this morning. And they're putting out a call to every single real talker who's dreaming about starting a new career, dreaming of being your own boss, running a thriving business, leaving cubicle life behind for good. If all of that sounds pretty great, and then you add unlimited earning potential into the mix, a career in real estate could be a perfect match for you. The best move you can make is to get started today by enrolling with Rello. That's R-E-L-O, Alberta's top real estate school. They're here to support you every single step of the way from studying for your exam, getting your license and beyond. Plus with Rello, you can study 100% online on your own schedule. Right now, great deal for real talkers. For a limited time, you can knock 20% off the cost of any Rello course with the code REALTALK when you get started at Rello.ca. Of course, we'll be recapping uh, this weekend's festivities at the third annual Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic yeah. as well. A sold-out event, 24 teams, beautiful amazing. weather, and so an fun. unbelievable performance by the best DJ in Alberta, oh. Johnny Infamous, who brought us his talents. You know what's funny is you put up that post. It was about halfway through the event. I think it was around noon. The photo of you and me? Yeah, and I got about 10 DMs from other very prominent DJs in the city, and most of them were <laughs> under the lines of like, I'm offended by this. Yes, but I, I was like, "Hey, my boss is the best." Okay? I did. I did proclaim you to be the best DJ in Alberta, you and did. you know what, Johnny? I'm standing by it. I'm standing by it. Well, that's great. I yeah, we it. had an incredible time out there, and want to thank uh, listeners who came out. We met one of them, Noob Try Again. Noob Try Again was there. He's in the chat today, and he gave us some amazing gifts, including this uh, desk topper for you yeah, that you says that Real Talk RJ makes them all himself with a. I think it's a 3D printer. But yeah, I was talking to him about uh, the, the world is uh, the, the options are endless when someone's got a 3D printer yeah. when it comes to what you want to make and, and cool it, things that you can create. Yeah. Um, it's always nice to put a face to the name. And so I was thinking. And I told him every time I see noob try again in the YouTube live yeah. chat, I'll be able to picture him and, yeah. and so many others. It wouldn't be possible without the volunteers. We're going to recap it all in positive reflections. That's coming up, of course, as we wrap up today's episode. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, why don't we get to the video first? We'll load this sure. up and, and we'll of use this as, as our no of of, uh, of Nahed Nenshi down in oh, Calgary. Yeah. Um, so this will use this to tee up Charles Adler. I, I don't think Nahed Nenshi needs any introduction, obviously. What did he win that, that vote uh, one year for the world's best mayor? Of course, that was in response to his response and his leadership during the southern Alberta floods, in particular the floods in Calgary. He, he, he rose to prominence. That sort of, if you want to call it a purple wave, Nenshi was elected. Of course, a very popular mayor um, one of those that he didn't lose an election. He decided not to run again. So he still got that that political power, that political cachet down in Calgary. Not everybody loves him. Not everybody loves every politician. But his appearances have been relatively rare. Like he'll show up on panels and he'll speak at this or or attend that. But you don't see a lot from the head Nenshi taking big blasts, looking other politicians squarely in the eye, calling them out by name and and, uh, you know, essentially grabbing everybody's attention. So so the, the timing of this is curious for a couple of reasons. 
and we'll get into that with Charles Adler. But first, as you'll hear, it's on a windy day. Uh, demonstrators uh, across the province of Alberta, in particular in Calgary and Edmonton, over the weekend showing up to demonstrate against uh, the policies announced by Alberta's Premier Danielle Smith mid last week. And and here's a portion, courtesy of the breakdown, of what Nahed Nenshi had to say. To you, Premier Smith, I've known you for 30 years. You're better than this. You need to be better than this. And I don't care about your cynical polling. I don't care you saying that most Albertans are on my side. Because that's not what minority rights are about. I want you to understand that votes aren't worth a few dead kids. I want you to understand your responsibility to all Albertans. And I want you to understand that we will continue to fight and we will always win. We will fight! So there you have it. Nahed Nenshi rallying the troops down in Calgary. We will fight. We will win. Premier Smith, the votes are not worth dead kids. As Charles Adler joins us, Emmy Award winning talk radio legend. Wow. What a performance by Nenshi. Um, you know, I, I watched it uh, three or four times on the weekend and I'm watching it now with you, uh, Brian. And it just it continues to blow me away. I, I just cannot remember the last time I saw a Canadian politician with that kind of uh, street feel, if you want to call it, uh, use the terms that are used uh, these days, you know, feel for the, the common man, the common woman, the common common uh, Albertan and the common Canadian. Uh, that is incredible uh, retail politics, uh, to put it through simply the political filter without discussing rights and minorities and, and, and everything else. Um, when a uh, politician can bring what Nenshi brings to bear, uh, it is very hard uh, to defeat them because that kind of rhetoric and that kind of feel attracts people well beyond the so-called base. So if we're talking about the NDP leadership and we're talking about a politician who can get well beyond the progressive base, that's Nenshi. That's, that, that is Christmas every day for any political party that would have that kind of political athlete. So uh, for those that are listening on the podcast, I'll let them know. Maybe this is significant. Maybe it's not. Uh, you let me know what you think, Chuck. He was there wearing a purple T-shirt. Uh, purple has been his campaign color, his winning campaign color. The NDP leadership race opens today. I know this makes me, I, I, let, let me note, I'm not trying to sound cynical. I'm not suggesting that Nenshi is not sincere in what he's saying. I'm sure that he's very sincere in what he's saying. But the timing of this is interesting. Are you, are you reading into this? Do you think there could be leadership aspirations or even a plan in motion here? He has to be, you know, we will fight, we will win. I mean, uh, th those are, uh, uh, th those words are not used by a brilliant strategist, which is what Nenshi is, uh, for no reason. 
And, you know, to buttress what you're saying, it has nothing to do with whether or not he's sincere. He has a track record as being absolutely sincere about fighting for minority rights and fighting for human rights. He doesn't take a backseat to anybody in the country on that. But we will fight and we will win is about fighting for the NDP leadership, winning the NDP leadership, and using this issue to drive a wedge between what I'll call soft PC supporters, soft UCP supporters, and the UCP. And, 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 and it clearly is, is going to be used as a way to drum up support among young Albertans. If the NDP were stronger with young Albertans, especially in Calgary, there is absolutely no doubt that the NDP would be forming government right now. Yeah, this is, uh, it's interesting. I see a couple of comments here in the live chat. Uh, Jason says, I truly appreciate it. Ned, she's simply calling out Smith's actions. Uh, her words of understanding have been absent, have been silent. Lefty Lance, by the way, I owe Lefty Lance an apology. He shows up in our live chat the other day. I said, hey, I can't remember if he was criticizing me or something. The comment wasn't outrageous. I remember it being a fair comment, but I made, I, I, I alluded, to, I said, at least Lance lets us know where he's at on the political spectrum. Lefty Lance. And then I did notice in the chat, later on he followed up he said no he said i'm left-handed he said i'm just left-handed that's the thing <laughs> but but did you i don't know johnny if you saw that I, th I made a mental note i said i better make a note of that in a future episode lefty lance says and then she's great but he says i don't think that he holds the core values he's not convinced that he holds the core values uh, of an ndp leader or what an ndp leader will be expected to have uh, i don't want to jump too far ahead in our conversation but i will note that the rules for this leadership race which officially kicks off today february 5th the rules were announced uh, and unless you get a special exception you do have to have been a card carrying NDP member for a number of months. So I don't know if he's been thinking about this and maybe quietly signed up for an NDP leadership or an NDP membership rather months ago. You can also appeal, uh, which I'm sure he would get. I'm sure they would grant him sort of a, a special status. But this is one of the safeguards that the parties put in place, Chuck, so they don't have a, a hijacking attempt from a group like Take Back Alberta. I don't know. That is a fair question, though, and Lance makes a good point. The, the NDP guard, uh, and every party can be like this through a leader race. They like to protect their own. Uh, there, there's even rumbling. Some people think Racky Pancholi, one of the favorites. She might be a little too new. Everybody's looking at some of the old schoolers, the Sarah Hoffmans that have put in their time, the Kathleen Ganleys. You think Nenshi might be an exception to that? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't imagine the NDP turning down the uh, head Nenshi. I can't imagine a, a I, I just can't imagine a political party anywhere. And this has nothing to do with Alberta. This has to do with talent on a core, core issue. And the core issue isn't transgender politics. The core issue is human rights. The core issue is egalitarianism. And when then she looks Danielle Smith in the eye and says, screw your cynical polls. It's not worth a few dead kids. Yeah, it's a, it's a great soundbite. It, it really makes the point. But the larger point is whether you're Alberta or Ontario or Prince Edward Island or Manitoba, Egalitarianism is huge, and everybody in this country deserves an opportunity. And when you're involved in potential legislation that deliberately suppresses minorities in order to gain points with the majority, that is un-Albertan, and it is un-Canadian, and by the way, it's totally un-Danielle Smith pre-David Parker days. And you go back to tape of what Danielle Smith was doing on this issue 
uh, years ago when it was the uh, GC GSAs, and she was a different Danielle Smith. Today, she's coming across as David Parker with mascara. Wow. Uh, we, we've got some comments here. D uh, James in the chat says, I think that Nancy has the ability to grow the Alberta NDP brand beyond those letters. Uh, and we've debated this in past. I mean, they, they even have former MLAs of theirs uh, down in Calgary suggesting that they need a complete rebrand. They're not going to do it. Uh, obviously, they would have done it uh, to, to trigger a leadership race if they were going to rebrand themselves. But James says the Alberta party already has very little to do with the National Party. Uh, James, tell their critics that. Uh, he says uh, Nenshi can truly differentiate them, uh, which is kind of an interesting perspective. M.A. says uh, Nenshi's a centrist, and that's probably what this province needs. It begs the very fair question, does, d does centrist policy win in Alberta? You've had some parties make a go of it, the Alberta party uh, most particularly, that was, you know, despite the best efforts of talented people, uh, just something that didn't happen. Uh, I'd be curious to know uh, what his brand of politics might do to a party that, that right now... A leader like Rachel Notley walks away after more than 10 years. It's, it's a party that's going to be looking for someone to come in and add a strong identity. Would you agree? Absolutely, I agree. And uh, you, you, you can't follow up a, a strong personality like uh, Rachel Notley uh, with a generic uh, person who just appeals to the base. And whatever uh, you, know, you say or I say or anybody wants to say, whatever Nancy says about Danielle Smith, she is a strong personality. Danielle Smith has charisma. She always has had, and you're not going to defeat her with the generic. The head name, she is not a generic. And I'm not suggesting a different party called the Alberta Party or the Centrist Party or whatever is going to win. It's a two-party system right now. The NDP is the other party, but the NDP has to move to the center. And my message to progressives, and I am a center-right person, I'm not a center-left person, I'm a center-right person. I have always have been. But I understand that if you cannot if you cannot get close to the center, you're vulnerable. The UCP is vulnerable right now because they have moved deep, deep into the right of center corner. The NDP cannot be significantly left of center because the UCP will win that race every single day, especially in Alberta. So the progressives need to know, and I realize many progressives could care less what I have to say, but here's what I have to say. My message to progressives, the center is not a leper. Okay, don't be allergic to the center. If you don't move closer to the center, you will be permanently a cause. That's that's nice. A lot of people want to just join a cause. But if you want a shot at real power, if you want to form government, you have to go to the center. There's no point in, in, in bringing up all the gobbledygook about what you did to win a number of years ago. The Conservative Party was split in two. You went up the middle and you did a nice job going up the middle. But as long as the right of center party stays united, the United Conservative Party, you have to move, the NDP has to move to the center, or you remain permanently in opposition. Uh, you know who can't stand this? And there's uh, a couple of people here in the chat uh, saying, ah, I'm not I'm not 100 percent convinced that Nancy Kimberly says I'm not even sure Nancy would get the Calgary vote. I mean, there's really on only one way to find out. I mean, he, he remained a popular mayor. It's tough for I mean, he had no chance to, like, maintain those popularity numbers that he had during and after the Calgary floods. That never happens to anybody. Uh, I'm, I, I'm tempted to invoke the name Rudy Giuliani, but I won't because it's apples and oranges. But but mayors yeah. can 
and, and, and political leaders can be very popular or unpopular in times of crisis. But but Nenshi may have lost some popularity. Uh, maybe that factored in to him not running again. Maybe he had just had a good run at the mayor's office and wanted to do something different. But I'd suggest he's, he still has a ton of credibility in Calgary. And then you also have to remember that you stack him up against the other candidates. We don't yet know who they will all be. We know Hoffman's going to run. We know Ganley, Kathleen Ganley, will announce her candidacy today. She'll be joining us in the Real Talk studio on Wednesday. We know Racky Pancholi's going to run. We know David Shepard's going to run. So you don't need to ask, can Nenshi get the Calgary vote? You just need to ask, can Nenshi get as many or more Calgary votes than the others, right? I mean, that's the question that really matters. I simply think then she can connect with uh, the Calgarians that he needs to connect with in order to go over the top. I mean, you can you can do the math, uh, Ryan. The NDP, with their left of center position, came really close. They came within a few thousand votes. And you know, you, you, you're from Calgary. I mean, you're the last guy in the world I have to to talk to about whether or not Nenshi connects better with the Calgary votes that he needs than any of the other candidates. And I'm not I'm not here shilling for Nenshi. I'm not, Working for Nenshi, I'm just a, someone who uh, looks at life in, in, in a very, very simple way. Most people, regardless of what, where the bases are, most people who have a shot at the center have a shot at power. And when you give up the center, you give up center ice, I don't care whether you're playing hockey or politics, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. Uh, I want to acknowledge this. Brent in the chat uh, says it's amazing that a couple of so-called educated talking heads. Adler, we never claim to be educated. I don't know what Brent's talking about. I never said I was educated. But he says a couple of educated talking heads have David Parker living rent-free in their heads. Uh, he says you two can't go two minutes without smacking him. He's winning. Um, I don't think about David Parker at all when I'm with my beautiful wife or when I'm running successful pond hockey <laughs> tournaments or throwing after parties in here or partying with Johnny or hosting dinners. Uh, later today, I'll, 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 be, I'll be at the uh, the Taya Conference, Tourism Industry Association of Alberta, interviewing NDP caucus members. Tomorrow, I'll be interviewing UCP caucus members. I won't be thinking about David Parker. I don't think about David Parker when I'm relaxing in my office or driving my car through the city or out for a run just kidding everybody knows i'm never out for a run but the fact of the matter is you got to talk about what's relevant and it's become very apparent over the last week or so that the pressure coming from take back alberta on the premier and the premier's office vis-a-vis the ucp is a thing and so it does need to be discussed we're not going to pretend like it doesn't there's there's no way that uh, daniel smith would have recorded the and, and by the way, she did an excellent job. If you had no idea what she was talking about, it was just another night with Tony Bennett. Okay, uh, it was just it was it was really well done. But there's no way that she would have done uh, that particular video, which was almost Grammy worthy, if it hadn't been for the influence of David Parker. That's why I said David Parker with mascara. I mean, I just uh, it was David Parker without the ugly. Danielle Smith knows how to put lipstick on the pig, knows how to put mascara on David Parker, any 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 language you want to use. The point is, she does a soft version. You know, in, in radio, we used to have rock, and then we had light rock. So, you know, David Parker is rock, and Danielle Smith is uh, is light rock, but it's still, I mean, you, you, can, you can talk about parents until the cows come home, you can talk about polls, or then she calls you cynical polls. You simply have to talk to trans people, and you simply have to talk to trans people and their parents. And, and if you want to, if you want to go with what the majority thinks is going on, that's interesting. But if you want to talk about what's really going on, you've got to go to the, the the people themselves, which is what Don Braid did. I mean, does anyone think that 
Don Braid is, is an NDP activist or some kind of left-wing activist. All Don Braid did over the weekend was he talked to trans parents and trans kids, right? The parents of, of trans kids and trans kids. When I say trans kids, trans adults, it doesn't matter. Trans people and the people who love them. And they don't love what Danielle Smith is doing. And they don't care that it's a Perry Como version, Tony Bennett version, uh, Lady Gaga version of, of David Parker. And this isn't about David Parker being in my brain. I could care less. I don't give a rat's ass about David Parker. I'm talking about the, 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 the evangel that David Parker is starting to spread. And if it weren't for that particular influence and take back Alberta influence, that Danielle Smith piece of video never would have happened. Charles, I don't. I don't want to take it for granted and, and assume that everybody saw it. Uh, number one, I'll let uh, people know that uh, it was. Uh, what What was the date here? It was February first. Our episode uh, titled "Alberta's Policies on Surgery, Sex Ed, and Sport." Uh, if you want to go back, uh, our audience, you can check this out. I'm showing you on the screen right now on YouTube. You can find it in our archive, uh, or of course, you can find it in our podcast archive. We we spent about a half an hour just kind of going through the video, going through the policy, giving our initial impressions on it, and then in follow up on February 2nd, our Real Talk Roundtable, uh, thought it was absolutely excellent, and I really, in particular, I mean, appreciate all three voices that joined us, but Hannah Hodson joined us. She's the first openly trans candidate in the history of the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, she was a senior staffer with uh, former Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, and her first-hand perspective on it, uh, she understands politics, she's worked at and in politics, she's ran for office, and she has worked for federal leaders at the highest level. She understands what's going on. And so her insight into those policies on our February 2nd episode, I highly recommend uh, for people. For those of you that did not, though, hear the premier's video, uh, Chuck talking about, you know, an evening with Tony Bennett, uh, the production value of it was significant. Yeah, RIP Tony Bennett. Nice tribute for him last night at the Grammys. Johnny, why don't we tee up? Here, here's just, Charles, here's just a quick clip of, of the premier. This was released uh, last Wednesday. This was released on uh, the 31st of January. I strongly believe that we as a society must support and reach out with kindness and inclusion to those who identify as transgender and work to eliminate the discrimination they often experience in their lives. As Premier of this province, I want every Albertan that identifies as transgender to know I care deeply about you and I accept you as you are. As long as I lead this province, I will ensure you are supported and your rights are protected. In the case of children aged 17 and under who identify as transgender, I also want you to know that you are loved and supported as you work through your often changing emotions, feelings, and beliefs. As we all know, children and teenagers are in a constant state of biological, social, emotional, and sexual development and change. They're constantly learning about themselves, trying new things, dealing with biological changes, and trying to understand a wide range of new thoughts and feelings. It's a very complicated time. In my view, one of the greatest responsibilities we as parents, teachers, and community leaders have is to preserve for our children the right to grow and develop into mature adults so that they are better prepared to make the most impactful decisions affecting their lives. Decisions like choosing a career, a partner, raising children, their interaction with legal drugs like alcohol and cannabis, their sexual activities and preferences, and many other adult choices. It is my view that list of adult choices includes deciding whether or not to alter one's biological sex. Making permanent and irreversible decisions regarding one's biological sex while still a youth can severely limit that child's choices in the future. Prematurely encouraging or enabling children to alter their very biology or natural growth, no matter how well-intentioned and sincere, 
poses a risk to that child's future that I, as Premier, am not comfortable with permitting in our province. Is that James Taylor in the background? I don't know, but the the, the, uh, the acoustic <laughs> guitar kind of adds this. It, it comes across like if, you, if you're just, Chuck, if, you, if you're just sort of like taking it, like just sort of it's on in the background, you're just sort of casually watching it, it comes across as like, you know, reasonable. The average person that hasn't walked miles in these shoes, that doesn't have a, a child who's transgender or that's not transgender themselves, that doesn't understand the impact of some of the policies that are being rolled back or introduced, some of the rights that many people are talking about are being suspended, violated, or taken away, then that it comes across actually is kind of reasonable. I don't know if you saw this or not. I put an yeah. unscientific, unofficial Twitter poll out asking how people feel about the policies that she announced. Had about 9,000 votes on it. Uh, and again, unofficial, unscientific, but 63% of respondents said that they support it. And if you look at Angus Reid polling over the past while, a lot of people, more Canadians than may put on their Facebook accounts, more people than may tweet about it, don't actually have a problem with it. So so we're in an interesting position right now because there's very loud opposition from people that have very compelling arguments talking about this as a matter of life and death and other people going, yeah. Right. If I didn't know any trans people, if I hadn't done any journalism on it over the years, if I didn't know anything, if I was just a, a regular person with no contact with uh, trans people and their families, I would be among the 62% on that poll. Because, you know, it just, it just sounds so benign. It, it sounds so harmless. It sounds so motherhood and apple pie. And Danielle Smith does a wonderful job. I will always tell you what aspect of Danielle Smith turned me on and turned me off. As a performer, she's... Tremendous. That's why I called it, you know, an evening with Tony Bennett, the Grammy Award winning performance. But none of that, none of that has anything to do with what trans people are dealing with. It's a different planet. And if you don't share any time with trans people, well, of course, you're going to agree with everything Danielle Smith says. What could you possibly disagree with? She talks about how much she loves transgender folks. She loves them. She loves them when they're young. She loves them when they're old. Uh, she wants them to receive nothing but love and, and the milk of human kindness. How could you be opposed to that? But if you're a trans person, you understand that this is coming from a place that isn't protecting them. It's doing the opposite. So not everything is all about politics, but there's a huge amount of politics involved in this and politicking. I've seen some people suggest that this could be the beginning of the end of Danielle Smith's tenure as Alberta's premier. And then other people are saying that they think that this is going to do nothing but help her pick up momentum. If this does inspire someone like Nahed Nenshi or in particular Nahed Nenshi to enter this leadership race motivated on even maybe just one specific issue and it's this one and he ends up winning the leadership and going up against her in the next election and beating her, then this could be the undoing of Premier Danielle Smith, but maybe not. Nothing's a guarantee. Only time will tell. As we thank you for your time this week, what's your prediction on Nenshi? Do you think he announces? And ultimately, what's the long-term impact on Danielle Smith's political career of this policy? What do you think? I think uh, Nenshi will get in. I think Nenshi uh, will win the NDP leadership if he's in, because I think regardless of how much the NDP wants to be a sacred cause and want to, wants to support all their various progressive causes. I do think that people involved in the NDP do want to win. And then she is a winner, not just because he can connect with a number of people in Calgary, but he can connect with Albertans everywhere and he connects nationally. He's a national figure. How much damage will he do to Danielle Smith in the short term or midterm? 
I'm not prepared to make a prediction on that. Uh, betting against Danielle Smith has never been a good idea. She's very, very good at uh, what she does. And uh, in the meantime, when we're talking about this particular issue, she is on the winning side. All the polls, whether it's a Ryan Jesperson poll or an Angus Reid poll, will tell you that she's on the winning side of this issue. This is an issue that someone like Nancy has to stretch into a much larger issue, the issue of human rights, the issue of egalitarianism, the issue of what it means to be an Albertan. But if anyone can drive that conversation in Alberta against the UCP and against Danielle Smith, it has to be mentioned. You have mentioned Tony Bennett at least twice today, and there was a beautiful tribute for him uh, mm-hmm. last night at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I can't let you go without you. You were tweeting about it. I, I, I obviously have to ask. And I know, I know Johnny's all about the Grammys as well. Chuck, what was the there, there, there were a couple of big monumental moments last night, including a, an appearance by the great uh, Canadian, the legendary Salintion. But what really jumped out at you from last night's Grammys, Chuck? Uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy Chapman. Oh, yeah. Tracy, Tracy Chapman. Uh, uh, I, I don't watch award shows. We've discussed that before, but I do watch uh, the clips and uh, there were a multitude of clips uh, that I watched them with Tracy Chapman. I watched uh, the whole thing. It was uh, it was beautiful. And uh, watching Joni Mitchell, uh, both sides now, uh, that was beautiful. Uh, it was, uh, you know, of all the award shows out there that I miss, it's it's probably the best one. But if anyone has missed uh, Tracy Chapman, I don't know whether you'll have time to queue up at least a, a minute or two. Uh, but man, no, we no, YouTube will shut we'll us down, Chuck. Time. We 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 can't play music on the show. But oh, uh, so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, okay. That's anyway, okay. The point is, the point is when Tracy Chapman gets on stage, uh, it's dark. Okay, and then of course the lights come on and people realize that the person playing the guitar is Ch- Tracy Chapman. So the crowd goes crazy. And then watching Tracy Chapman's face light up like the sun when, because she hasn't done a public appearance in a very long time. She does fewer public appearances than the head Nancy, okay? <laughs> so when Tracy, when Tracy Chapman sees the crowd's response to her, the look of love, the look of absolute love and connection that comes on Tracy Chapman's face, it is biblical. And for those people who will get on YouTube, it is one of the greatest YouTube moments I've ever experienced Tracy Chapman fast car. I agree. It It was definitely, I was watching it and I said, Oh my God, this is the most I've ever heard a crowd. Cause you know, the crowd is all artists themselves. And then there's some fans like way in the back in the stands. It was so loud when they saw her face and she just, you got a fast car. It was, I I, I'm pretty sure the sound guy had to bring it down. It was so loud in there. It was amazing. I got chills. Uh, Yeah, totally. And yeah, beautiful duet with Luke Combs who sort of brought that song back to life. I love, well, not that it needed to be brought back to life, but you get the idea. And -hmm. and I loved him talking about it as well. I mean, anybody who watched the broadcast heard him tell the story, but he basically just said, he said, I've been playing this song since I knew how to play guitar. It was amazing. He just always loved it. He wanted to throw it on the record. Yeah. So his father used to play the song every day in the truck and he, he just learned the lyrics, but he said it was. Uh, what did he say? He said he said it was my favorite song before I knew what favorite song even yes, meant. Yes, I thought that was so and good. And he knew every word to it. And I, I, as soon as that video came on, I'm like, oh my god, Tracy's gonna come out. Yeah. And like Charles said, you haven't seen her in years. She's no. pretty much a recluse. Speaking now. of that, Joni Mitchell last night makes an appearance as well, uh, which was uh, pretty special and a beautiful performance Incredible. with, in my mind, one of the brightest talents in music, Brandy Carlisle. I thought that was uh, amazing. Obviously, a big night for Miley Cyrus. 
to just there's nobody i mean with respect to she i love how she named all her legends like you know dolly and whitney it's all first name basis like, I, you know but i was thinking like miley cyrus her voice like the power of her voice incredible mm-hmm. and then taylor swift becoming the first ever to get who was it there was like paul simon and a couple others that mm-hmm. have that have won three best album or album of the year uh, taylor swift now holds the record with four it's incredible it was a huge night for women you had SZA, who we're showing right now nine nominations that's i think that's a record billy eilish winning song of the year yeah. you had uh laney uh laney wilson winning country album of the year you had miley winning record of the year you had taylor winning album of the year so women just dominated the awards yeah, this i thought year. it was really yeah. really great a really really great and then uh, of course i don't want to forget because it was amazing. We were all waiting for it. Billy Joel, of course, yeah. hasn't written a new song in 32 years. Chuck, are you a big Billy Joel guy? Yeah, I've seen Billy Joel uh, five or six times. Uh, he's uh, just uh, one of the uh, great entertainers of all time. There's, there's nothing that Billy Joel uh, can't do. But uh, mm-hmm. before we uh, before we leave, I also have to mention, because you know, the name Tony Bennett's come up a couple of times, <laughs> came up right from, from these lips. So the tribute that Stevie Wonder did, for Tony Bennett. Also incredible. Unbelievable. But Billy Joel, this song, Turn the Lights On, he said the only reason he did it is because he met the songwriter and the lyrics. Listen to these lyrics. It has so many layers to it, like him coming back, but also like if you're waiting for someone to come back in your life, just amazing. And then like Charles said, uh, hearing uh, Tony Bennett from Beyond the Grave, they had his audio singing with Stevie Wonder, who everyone thinks of that song. Uh, What's the song, Charles? Sorry. For once in my life. Yes. Everyone thinks of that as a Stevie Wonder hit, but it was actually done by a bunch of people, including Tony Bennett, who made it popular first as, so cool. as a ballad. And then t- uh, Stevie Wonder did it as a Stevie an Wonder is, is one of those performers where if, if I'm anywhere, anywhere near uh, a screen and Stevie Wonder comes on, I tell everybody, just everybody shut up. Turn up the volume. I, have, I, I don't care what my day looks like. There's always time in the day for Stevie Wonder. Put it that way. And Stevie's also one of the ones who had uh, three albums, and uh, nobody thought that uh, that record could be broken. Uh, three album of the year, amazing uh, awards at the, at the Grammys, and of course Paul Simon tied it. And now uh, Taylor Swift. I know that there's some, uh, you know, people on the, on the ridiculous right who thinks that uh, Taylor Swift and and, uh, and Travis Taylor and Travis are in a conspiracy with the <laughs> NFL. Uh, oh blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. Okay. Uh-huh, we'll call yeah. him on that over the weekend. Not a lot of but, hate uh, for Taylor, and I don't get it. She's one of the only people who's like she's totally herself at the awards. And people are like yeah. Taylor, sit down. She's up singing she's with every fun. artist. She's dancing. She's singing. She's clearly like a music fan because she knows everyone else's songs. And I don't get why people just hate it. Someone Fox living. News is calling uh, Taylor Swift a uh, Pentagon psyop, psychological operation. Oh, God. Uh, Fox okay. News is calling uh, Taylor so, Swift part uh, of How a, is this supposed a, to go? A, a so Taylor psyops operation. Ta- ta- Taylor wins the Grammy and then and then yeah. Travis, her boyfriend, is, is going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday. And then that's going to give them the opportunity on field to endorse joe biden i think that's i think that's the conspiracy yeah, theory right that's that, what everyone's worried about that's a theory and, and of course the, the kansas <laughs> the kansas city chiefs have never been to the dance right this is yeah. what their third, third this is their opportunity to a third super bowl yeah. in, in five years i think they're going to do they, it but they need they need the pentagon they need the nfl 
They need Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, and, and I and a good point as well from my wife. We're watching the Grammys last night. Mm-hmm. Carrie makes a very fair point. Now, I don't know what the Kansas City Chiefs' obligations are, but the Super Bowl is still a week away. Mm-hmm. Still, and I know Taylor's. she's heading over to Asia. She's going to do a couple of dates there before she gets back. She's flying right back to make it to Super Bowl. But <laughs> Carrie asks a very fair question, Charles. She says to me, she says, the biggest celebrity in the world, the biggest pop star in the world, she seems to be able to make it to her boyfriend's games every single She's Sunday there. Uh, yes she yeah so Carrie says so where the hell is he on her Super Bowl night where the hell is he on Grammy night I thought hey <laughs> I think that's fair criticism but I a, think that's fair I, another I think, thing I think they're sequestered I think they keep the guys uh, I think they do the sequestered for two week period <laughs> I'm sure they can do it I'm I sure he, the rule. I'm sure he's in like a mental getting ready igloo but another thing you alluded to was yeah. just the second biggest raucous applause I think of the whole night was when Celine Dion walked on stage to give this award to Taylor and you saw all the legends yeah standing up and looking at her oh, like you look at like beyonce look at celine they, dion beyonce was like singing her song yeah. uh as as she came out and of course we know celine's been going through some health issues she looked absolutely incredible she was she was very well spoken so that was another great point in the night yeah we got we got a lot of uh kimberly says jay-z throwing shade was the only controversial yeah moment i was of the gonna show. bring that up so, so the rest of it was beautiful he was good though he got up and said you know you guys are finally starting to get things right and he appreciated that but there has been moments in the grammys he alluded to this young lady here he didn't say beyonce but he's obviously talking about his wife won more grammys than anyone yeah. anyone and she's never won album of the year. Yeah. And he kind of said like that, you know, the math doesn't add up. Here. She looked uncomfortable when he was doing she that. She was though. like, husband, shut up. But then he steered back in the end and brought it back to black culture and 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 how, you know, if you want something, walk in the room and ask for it. You know, try to be the chairman, try to be the bigger person. Uh, and he steered it back around at the end and he, he held his daughter's hand. So he kind of saved it. But that, that was the best speech. I of thought the it night. was cool. Yeah. He brought his daughter blue up there. Uh, this from Tony, who says uh, Taylor Swift took ownership of her music, pushed back against the establishment. And she's showing girls that we can own it. And uh, some people don't like that. Tony says, I applaud her. You go, girl. And Alberta, Alberta girl's not wrong in the chat who says, you guys, Kelsey's in lockdown a week before Super Bowl. We know we're just having fun with it, obviously. Like but, nobody uh, talks about Bruno Mars dominating a few years ago or like you know what i mean everyone's so sick of taylor and i'm like why she she's uh, the biggest selling artist in the world haters gonna hate man (laughs) like that's why that's why they can't stand her because she's the biggest selling artist in the world i'm sure she's fine counting her billions and selling out stadiums swimming and uh you know doing whatever you know they say chuck you saw the numbers uh, and this is great it's a good segue into shauna feth the alberta chambers of commerce who's going to join us in a second you've seen the bottom line numbers they're saying that taylor swift's relationship with Travis Kelsey, they estimate has boosted NFL revenues by up to $400 million this year. Just the relationship, just the exposure. Unbelievable. But that's, that says something about uh, Taylor and Travis, no doubt. But it says everything about the NFL. Hmm. You, look at, you look at the numbers, even though supposedly conventional television has gone down the tubes, not when it comes to the NFL. All you have to look at is... A, the numbers, uh, the the amount of events during the year where the NFL is number one, number one, number one, number one. And all you have to look at is the amount of advertising revenue the NFL gets. The NFL is the most successful entertainment brand in the world. And so when, yes, when you're attached to the NFL brand, as Travis and, 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 and Taylor are right now, naturally, uh, that's going to help you, but it's also going to help the NFL. There's, there's nothing the NFL uh, can do wrong, but I, I've got to say that while Jay-Z is one of the uh, uh, most intelligent and most successful 
entrepreneurs of all time. It does take a lot of stones to try to portray Beyonce as a victim. Yeah, I know. I was saying that too. I'm like, well, dude, she has won every other award, single of the year, you know, album of the year, except for album of the year. Uh, I will say one thing though, it's going to be interesting to see the Super Bowl because the three things people bitch about all year is Super Bowl, Grammys, and the NHL All-Star game. NHL All-Star game, I don't know if we're going to talk about it today, maybe later next week, did an amazing job. Tons of viewers, the entertainment was on point. You saw the skills way up their game with everything. People were people came back after mixed feelings uh, on the Florida game last yeah. year. And then Grammys it was probably one of the best Grammys, I know Charles will agree with me, in 10, 20 years. Like, just all the stars that were out, they everyone came, no one no-showed, the performances were great. Let's see if the Super Bowl can do that with Usher, right? Uh, the Super, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, of course. People I are going to watch regardless. The Super, Super Bowl doesn't need help. Like, the Super, Super Bowl is always going to dominate every year, the Nielsen ratings, everything else. But people always dominate. bitch about the but halftime there, You know, show. how cool would it be if Taylor Swift was doing the halftime show at the Super Bowl this if year? If Usher brings her out for a tune? Why not? Ooh. Why not bring He's there. Alfred, right? Why not? Chuck, who's winning on Sunday? The Niners or the Chiefs? Uh, Got to go uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, most people who have, <laughs> over the years who have bet against the, the Chiefs uh, have, have lost their shorts. Uh, the 49ers are obviously uh, on, on paper uh, the best team in, in football, but the Super Bowl tends to bring out uh, the Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes feels sorry for his family. His uh, dad got... Uh, uh, tagged with a DWI over the weekend in Texas. Oh, I didn't know but, that. Uh, I just, I just, I just don't, uh, I just don't bet against uh, Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I've got to pick the Chiefs, uh, and I guess that makes me too a part of the uh, Pentagon psyops conspiracy. <laughs> but yeah. if they do win, it'll be a crazy like prom king and queen moment. Her and her and Kelsey on the field. But I'm going Niners. A- How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm just. I didn't hear that Patrick Mahomes' dad got busted for a DWI. Did you know that his dad played for the Edmonton Trappers? His yeah. dad, Patrick Mahomes, lived in Edmonton, Chuck, mm-hmm. for a short period of time. I just found this out last week. Uh, yeah, that's a tough look getting a uh, get, getting a Dewey uh, the week that your son's going to go try to win another Super Bowl. Also, when your family has six hundred million dollars. You can't afford the Uber. You can't afford a limo. You can't afford a drive. What, what the hell are you, you doing? Might- by the way, speaking of Alberta uh, football, uh, you might want to say something about uh, Carl Weathers. Uh, it wasn't Alberta football, BC football, but uh, Carl Weathers, who played Apollo Creed, uh, passed over the over the weekend, and he at one time did play in the CFL for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, yeah, and a, and a lot of people had a lot to say about that. I I saw there was probably the the one undesired tribute coming from Juice. Uh, from from OJ, I, I saw him described uh, online. Some people were saying that uh, this is, you know, when, when, when you have the most uh, high profile, uh, and I and I, no one, no media outlet is going to describe him as a double murderer because they don't want to get sued. Uh, but they say when you have the highest profile double murder defendant. Uh, on planet Earth, uh, delivering an unsolicited eulogy. You can keep it to yourself. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, Carl Weathers, uh, unbelievable career. A ton of respect from from both the athletic community, of course, and the film community as well. Uh, Chuck, enjoy your week. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next Monday. We'll see who was right about the Super Bowl call. My pleasure being with you on Mondays, as always. Apollo Jesperson.
Jeez. All right, pal. That's Charles Adler, the Titan of talk. What are you what are you indicating your disgust when he picked you're you're a Dolphins fan. What do you care? You're, you're I'm a Dolphins fan. And we, had heart, we had heartbreak this year, right? They had you know. an incredible season. But uh, I, I, you know, they, they've been to the dance. They've won their thing. I, I think the 49ers kind of been on this i don't want to say cinderella story or whatever but it's been it's been really fun to watch if i had to pick another team that was fun to watch this year other than the dolphins it was them so uh yeah i i feel like 49 gonna be a lot of red, like a lot of red a lot of red going of on red. in the in the crowd but yeah i'm going niners you you're going chiefs yeah i mean i just think that i i i, I just think they're gonna do it i don't know i just feel like it's it's the, the mahomes era obviously and you know it's it's a perfect time johnny for me to just let everybody know that that if you are a, a local audience member if you're a real talker that happens to live in edmonton or surrounding area and you're looking for something to do on super bowl sunday i'm really excited to be returning as host of the Super Bowl party. It's the Cabin Bowl, the big game party at the Cabin on Jasper Avenue. That's Sunday, February 11th. It's 30 bucks to get in. That gives you guaranteed seating. Okay, it gives you a commemorative team t-shirt, so it's already worth it. You get a free beer, a Moosehead beer, an all-you-can-eat tailgate buffet, and they just knock it out of the park on the tailgate buffet. Plus, prizes each quarter, Johnny. We're giving away a ton of prizes, including a $1,000 cash giveaway at the end of the game. You can reserve your spot today Come watch the Super Bowl with us at The Cabin. Uh, get your tickets at thecabinyeg.com or you can give them a call at 780-454-9928. Our friends at Apex Automation want to remind you that they are working across Alberta and Saskatchewan on projects. Unbelievable stuff, including upstream oil extraction facilities, SAG-D plants, pipelines, natural gas processing facilities, chemical manufacturing plants in BC and Vancouver, in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, and right here in our home city of Edmonton. Plus potash mining, robotics, material handling, you name it. And guess what? Well, they need more hands on deck. That's why they're hiring right now. If, if you're an engineer and you're looking to work with a dynamic firm that's growing year over year over year over year. That's their trend. Check out the careers link at apexautomation.ca. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to remind you, and by the way, how exciting is it? They've got their sign up now on that traffic circle, 142nd Street and 107th Ave in Edmonton, and my phone is like blowing up. Everybody's because I'm being the voice of of Friesen Brothers. (laughs) You know, it's an honor and a privilege, and people say, the sign's up, the sign's up, everybody. He's excited about that. But, you know, there's a lot going on as well, including coming up on February 10th and 11th. Johnny, I know you're going to love this one. They've got their vegan feast from 4 to 8 p.m., February 10th and 11th at their Edmonton Rabbit Hill store. It's an all-you-can-eat vegan buffet with a wide selection of plant-based delights, including vegan lasagna, vegan shepherd's pie, that barbecue chicken, like chick-n, chicken. You've tried it. It's really good, right? Incredible. I think they do this because they know I live five minutes from this location. So you know what you're doing for dinner February 10th oh, and 11th. We're taking to-go boxes full home. <laughs> can, they've got the full salad bar as well, which is a really great option. It's just 20 bucks per 20 bucks? What? All you can eat. You can check out Friesen.com slash vegan. And for those of you that are really looking to get serious about that promise you made to yourself when the clock ticked over, when the calendar page flipped over into 2024, remember you told yourself you were going to declutter and get organized and get everything the way it should look so you can finally enjoy your living space? California Closets wants to help you out. They've got a talented team of designers that'll blow your mind with the options. I mean, absolutely endless. 
from the spare bedrooms to laundry rooms, storage closets, home offices, garages, you name it. Their designers work with you to get all your top priorities figured out on budget. And then their team of installers come in and just knock your socks off. You can get that free consultation scheduled today by visiting californiaclosets.ca. The first Monday of every month, the first Monday of every month, we have our eye on Alberta business, courtesy of uh, Shauna Feth, the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. Shauna, I know that you wanted to join us in studio today, but but for people that know, people that are living in Alberta right now, road conditions are absolutely bonkers. And so I want to thank you for making the smart decision to just check in remotely today. What was it looking like in your neck of the woods, like a foot of snow on the highway, basically? Yeah, not so much that. It's just the ice is really icy. It's like there was a layer of ice under the snow, it almost seemed like. So just thought it was prudent to stay home. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> do hey, it remotely. I, I, putting you on the spot here, Charles and I having kind of a fun conversation about this Taylor Swift, Swift effect with the NFL. Isn't it unbelievable? They're suggesting, I've seen numbers, uh, that, that her involvement uh, with the NFL unofficially, you know, dating uh, a high-profile future Hall of Fame tight end, uh, they expect has bolstered revenues, not including the Super Bowl, of, of close to a half a billion dollars, of $400 million. Uh, somebody like you who keeps an eye on commerce and business and trends. Fascinating story, isn't it? It really is fascinating. And I mean, you know, I was reading up a bit last week about this because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, negative comments being made about it. But, you know, countries are inviting her to come play their stadiums yeah. <laughs> because they know the economic impact she is going to have uh, when she comes into their their country. So, I mean, that just says it all, doesn't it? You know, you've got heads of state inviting her in. Um, you know, she's just, it's, she's a phenom. I mean, everywhere she goes, it turns to gold. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Trevor Noah last night hosting the Grammys. He says, uh, he says, as Taylor Swift is walking in uh, to the theater last night, walking into the arena to take her seat, he says, you, 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 what did he say? He said, you could, you could see the economic activity at every table bump. The stocks soon, are ticking the, up. The stocks are ticking up every time she walks past the table. It's the Taylor Swift effect. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, Shauna, we're grateful for, for your visit. You, you pop in here once a month. We put our eye on Alberta business. You kind of give us a sense of what the landscape's looking like. And we've got some new numbers here, some new information when it comes to the labor market. That, that includes uh, employers, uh, both small, medium, and, and big businesses uh, when it comes to their hiring intentions. What's really jumping out at you? What do you think the audience is most interested in? Yeah, I think so. In the last two years, uh, we've consistently seen upwards of 80% of businesses are saying that, you know, we still are experiencing skilled shortages. And, you know, We've talked about this before, Ryan, in terms of, you know, how much our population has grown even in the last year. And yet we're still as a, you know, the report that we released on January 29th, we're still seeing those those incredible shortages uh, across the board. So this like 80 percent of employers report that they faced skill shortages in the past two years, like four out of five businesses reporting skill shortages. Yeah. How does that how would that stack up against like two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? Like, is, is this is this unprecedented territory? 
I think, you know, it's cyclical in Alberta. So because we're back into kind of that, you know, growth phase, we're, we're kind of from an economic perspective, we're, we're pretty stable. And, you know, from the Canadian perspective, Alberta has still got a pretty good economy and a pretty good outlook for 2024. Um, I think, you know, we go through ebbs and flows, just like Alberta does always. Um, I think that what's really interesting, though, in all of this is the the, some of the work that we do, and and we did, um, you know, hosted us for a fantastic panel a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, on our talent development task force. But the thing that's really interesting to us is that out of that number that are reporting that um, they're having shortages, only 13% of those are actually uh, offering work integrated learning opportunities for students coming out of post-secondary. And so that's where that gap really is, is, you know, how can we create that pipeline for businesses? How do we create that opportunity for students to get into those roles earlier on um, and, and really make sure that we're filling those gaps that, that our employers need? You know, and a lot of that can be attributed to, I mean, it, it's not easy taking on a student, let's face it. A lot of that can be attributed to, you know, lack of mentorship, the lack of, you know, just the time commitment it takes to train up a student that potentially is only going to be there for four months out of the year. I think the really incredible piece to this, though, is that if you have that student in the first year or the second year and you're able to have them come back year over year, um, by the end of the fourth year, you've got, a, you know, a dedicated employee that's probably very well versed in your operations and can be a very uh, high level contributing member of your your talent. Uh, for people that are interested, uh, that episode that you're referencing, I love that roundtable. That was our January 19th yeah. episode of this year. The title, uh, if people are looking through our archives on the podcast or on YouTube, is Developing the Workforce of the Future. Uh, and Shauna, you helped us rally just some great voices. Northwest, uh, Northwest College uh, CEO Carolyn Campbell, who had great insights into the sort of the students of, of today and tomorrow. I was blown away to hear their average student age is 27, she told us, which I thought was really interesting. Great insight into what's going on at Norquest. And then you brought along with you as well, Elise Sethna from Deloitte, who had some fascinating insights into business and what businesses are looking for now and moving into the future. I recommend anybody, uh, maybe you have a young person in your household that's in high school, uh, maybe considering something like a polytechnic learning institution or university, or maybe just entering the workforce right away to take 45 minutes to watch that roundtable or listen to it again. That's January 19th, developing the workforce of the future. Um, Shauna Feth, of course, with us now, the anchor on that roundtable, president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. Interesting insight from what employers are expecting from university graduates, isn't it? That like uh, more than three quarters of them, I was just sort of scanning that the high level numbers here, um, expect them to be workforce ready. Uh, there's that expectation. You, you don't sort of like grow into the job. You know that I guess that's why that workplace integrated learning is 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 almost not a fad or it's not a cherry on top. It's like an expected platform of how young people and the talent of the future is expected to be prepared to hit the ground running. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, in the, the same surveys, and we've been doing this since 2019, um, you know, it's constantly indicated that it's kind of those those emotional intelligence skills that are what's lacking. You know, we've got these incredibly bright students coming out of our post-secondary institutions. Unfortunately, they just don't have the skills to actually communicate in an effective way, or, you know, they, they haven't necessarily been trained, uh, you know, what is proper sales techniques or what is a sales cycle and all of those types of things that are so important to our businesses. 
Shauna, there's uh, a great question here. I appreciate this in our live chat. This is from Laura who says, okay, but what about everybody other than students looking for a job? I mean, what are the implications of, of what we're understanding from these numbers on, on somebody that could be 30 years old, could be 40, could be 55 years old? They've got a ton of experience, very good at what they're doing, but for factors in many circumstances outside of their control, right now they're available for hire. What's the key message for those Albertans? Yeah, and I we were really focusing in on um, with with the Talent Development Task Force. It's not just about post-secondary students. We're talking about the whole ecosystem in terms of how to get skilled trades in, or how to get people into the the trades and the skills that we need. Um, so we we're running the gamut from everything from you know looking at our um, elementary to grade 12, what are we doing and as as young people to start getting them, you know, kind of passed into a career earlier on so that they can, you know, take the courses they need. Then, of course, we just talked about PSIs, but we're also right now doing a large provincial project uh, hosting talent fairs across the province for that specific purpose uh, to find individuals who, you know, are looking for their employers and to pair those up and really talking to you about um, anyone from, you know, that's just recently unemployed to long-term unemployed that may be facing some barriers. So, uh, you know, other able to individuals, seniors, um, Indigenous communities, those, those individuals that have really a lot to contribute to our workforce, but we're just not really, really effective at getting them into those spots. So we're really focusing on, on that as well. So it's not just the one task force, it's several different projects that we're working on to look at the, the whole gamut of how we can support getting people into the roles that they were meant for sooner and easier. Um, a lot of that too has to do with micro-credentialing, upskilling, how can we um, get, you know, people coming in, uh, you know, newcomers to the province, how can we get them credentialed quicker? You know, um, how can we look at, you know, the, the opportunity to, you know, do interprovincial and international recognition and credentialing uh, on people who already have the skills that they need. They already have the degree or the diploma or the apprenticeship that they need to fill these roles, but they don't, they're not recognized in, in Alberta. And that's, that's not just a one pronged approach either. That's really thinking about, you know, provincially from the regulatory perspective, businesses also need to be willing to recognize um, those credentials and the, the licensing bodies need to. And so how can we create some micro credentials in some of these specialties and some of these areas where we're really, really needing help? There's great uh, resources for people to better understand the advocacy work that happens uh, with Alberta Chambers of Commerce at Alberta or abchamber.ca. We'll put the link uh, into the show notes here. Mind the gap is the post. The need for skilled workers continues to impact Alberta business, and your team's done a really great job of, of laying it out. And I would suggest that regardless of what stage somebody's at in their career, you're going to find information here that's relevant to you, including how do you adapt to survive and where do we go from here? Uh, we're going to be talking a lot later this month uh, February of course is budget month in Alberta and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people pay attention to budget for many different reasons right people want to know where's the government pegging oil in Alberta that's a big consideration what are the, the you know the big priorities of a government uh, especially a relatively new one uh, under Premier Smith where are some of the cuts maybe going to be I mean budget time is a big time uh, you steering the ship at Alberta Chambers of Commerce how are you approaching budget 24. 
Yeah, well, we always take it really seriously. We do a lot of analysis. And of course, going into 2024, uh, one of the things that we've been hearing over and over is, you know, there's predictions that, you know, oil is going to be pretty stagnant. And so for the province of Alberta, we know what that means. It, it means that we need to uh, re, be really fiscal, fiscally responsible. Uh, I believe they're saying it's going to, you know, kind of run around $72 a barrel uh, going into 2024 and, and staying, you know, pretty pretty flat. So with that in mind, we do know that, you know, Alberta still, our, our fiscal outlook is really, really strong still. I mean, when you look at the rest of Canada, we still, there's a lot of optimism and, and a lot of um, different factors at play that make us look, you know, very, very promising in terms of what 2024 is going to be. I think, um, though, when you realize the volatility of oil and how that can impact a budget, that really needs to be taken into account. And so we really will be calling on on the province to do the things that we're always saying, you know, be fiscally prudent, um, make sure that you're using any surpluses to pay down debt and put into savings for future. Um, you know, that that debt servicing is a really big piece, because when you think about it, you know, we have, you know, our debt servicing is more dollars than whole ministries, some of the whole ministry's budget for. So when you think about that, if we could, you know, eliminate that debt servicing and really start freeing up some of those dollars to provide all of the things that we need uh, for Alberta as we're growing, you know, all of the social programs that we need, education, healthcare, you know, and, and uh, you know, if we could look at that in terms of a strategy uh, to reducing, you know, the debt and freeing up those dollars, I think that would be really important. Now, that's one of the things that we're calling on on the province to do. I don't, um, and of course, yeah, talent is another thing. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that anymore. And of course, uh, the other thing that um, comes up over and over for our business is supply chain. So, um, just highlighting all of those things as we look at budget twenty twenty four. I, but first of all, don't ever apologize for talking lots about talent. I love that. I love talking about like not just how do we sort of like, you know, maintain, but how do we grow and boom? I mean, everybody's you and I have talked about this before. I mean, they're, they're forecasting Alberta's population to be at 10 million by 2050. It's blowing my mind that the, the, the yeah. incredible forecasts are suggesting that Alberta could add four and a half, five million citizens in the next 25 years. It's So talent is obvious, and I think that's a very exciting thing, but there's a huge onus on businesses, post-secondaries, and government to be able to uh, attract and retain it. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the average person would, would, would be totally aware of how much advocacy groups like the Alberta Chambers of Commerce do, in, including these pre-budget submissions. Um, you've told us about some of the top priorities. You laid them out there, but, but I also understand that you're – you're advocating specifically about uh, eliminating the insurance premium tax. Can you take us into this? Everybody hears insurance premiums and it hits them, right? Everybody everybody can relate to this uh, line item on the family budget. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is it's it's interesting you bring this up because it's been in the news for the last week or so. Um, ACC has been advocating uh, about the insurance premium tax for about four years now. So long before my time with the organization, we've been, you know, banging this drum and it's really exciting that our colleagues at uh, IVC and CFIB are, are jumping on and, and doing the same thing because it really is one of those hidden taxes that if you're unaware of it, um, you're paying it. And it's not really paying dividends back out to us as taxpayers, uh, really essentially as insurance goes up that that. Uh, uh, the insurance premium tax goes up. And of course, it's really, 
it's the lowest value. That's the only thing I could say for our tax dollars in terms of what gets uh, funneled back into Alberta. Uh, so really, uh, one of the things that we've been advocating on behalf of for four years is just immediately remove it on life accident and sickness uh, insurance. Um, we really want to take a look at um, private corps and property and casualty and ensuring that that our uh, tax does not exceed the lowest tax rate in other provinces. And we really want to see that tax indexed as well to premiums so it doesn't inflate uh, over the course of time. So we've been, we're really excited. Our colleagues are jumping into the boat with us and we're all rowing it because uh, we really need to make some noise about this one. And, you know, um, in all fairness, the province is looking at insurance report reforms as part of the Taxpayers Fairness Act. So, um, you know, we've been talking to anybody who listened to us uh, that, you know, this is something that really needs to be paid attention to and in, and in a way that can really help reduce some burden on our businesses. Yeah. And and, and you know what? Governments uh, and elected politicians in particular, at the provincial level, you know, this is going to be a priority for them because you can only talk about or allude to the Alberta advantage in a robust economy for so long while at the same time having your citizens recognize they're paying the highest utility prices and some of the highest insurance prices in the country uh those two don't jive and obviously i know that the longer that that is the reality the more problematic it'll be for the premier and for the government for sure uh, shauna before we run out of time i want to ask you about this i hope i'm not putting you on the spot but i'm, I'm looking stateside and i see that a couple of the u.s is basically correct me if i'm wrong uh, but my understanding is that the u.s is like pressing pause on uh, approval of all new lng projects like liquid natural gas projects and i was reading chris varco's uh, piece on it uh, january 29th in the calgary herald if people want to look for it he suggests that this could uh, create a second chance so to speak for canada to be a real global player uh, when it comes to lng i think a lot of people probably think of bc when they hear lng because of all the pipeline talk but obviously this is a story very relevant to alberta how much is this on your radar and, and how are you processing it Absolutely. And I just I love that phrase. You know, it's no better time for a second first chance um, because, you know, we maybe have not done this the best way in the past. So, you know, just taking a look at the you know, at Alberta and all of the resources and all that we have to contribute to that conversation in regards to providing LNG resources to the rest of the world. I think we now is the time we know that we have two uh, major projects on the go in Canada right now that really can optimize and capitalize on the resources that we have. And we would just urge, you know, governments at all levels to it, this is going to be a real collaborative effort. It's going to be a collaboration between all levels of government. It's going to be a collaboration with our indigenous partners. It's going to be a collaboration with business and industry. And I can't stress enough how much that, you know, that's really where we're going to see the best outcomes and where we really are going to be able to provide what the world needs. And Alberta has a lot of that to pro provide and a lot of opportunity in that conversation. So right now is the time to capitalize. I mean, you know, our, our neighbors to the states are are not not exporting and we can and we have the resources and we have the the capacity we have the skills and we have the technology everything's in place we just need to like i said i cannot stress enough how much we need to collaborate
I'm looking forward to talking to you. We we don't know uh, exactly like what our sort of lineup's going to look like right around budget time, but obviously you're right at the top of the list, Shauna. We sure appreciate your insight. And if people are curious to learn more about the resources available through the Alberta Chambers of Commerce or learn more about their advocacy, uh, either follow the links in the show notes or just go directly to abchamber.ca. Shauna Feth has her eye on Alberta business the first Monday of every month right here on Real Talk. It's nice to see you. Stay safe out there on the roads. Sure. Ryan, can I plug like just 30 seconds worth of stuff, if you, that's okay? You, 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 you <laughs> can take five minutes if you like. Absolutely. Well, no, I just want to just throw it out there that we do have another uh, hiring intentions survey uh, research oh, yeah. out in the, the field right now with our CTA research that we're doing. And then just a heads up about Political Action Day coming up on March 14th. We're excited you're going to come be on our media panel I for love that it. event. Uh, ticket sales are going through the roof, so I would encourage anybody who is interested in attending that event. We have the premiere will be there uh, to bring a, an economic outlook as well as to MC all of the questions from the audience with the, the, the ministers and the MLAs. And then just finally, uh, the Canadian... Uh, Canadian Business Awards of Distinction are coming up on June 20th, but really important to note that uh, nominations opened uh, and are open till March 6th. So we would just really encourage anybody who knows a wonderful business in your community or in your province, please nominate them. We love to recognize them. We love to celebrate the wonderful and amazing things that that our businesses are doing in the province. Uh, and so really just that's it. Wanted to plug those. And then just really quickly wanted to say happy 18th birthday to our youngest who just <laughs> turned 18 today. So he might be going to that that party that you were just mentioning here. The Super Bowl party. Yeah. I'll keep an eye <laughs> This will for- be his whole world down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you tell him. So the- just want to shout out to Aiden. Yeah. Oh, Aiden. I love that. 18. You're, and are you like right now, are you sort of like rapping i mean we have a son who's only eight uh but i'm like already like you were one you were one like 10 minutes ago what, what happened how are you how are you wrapping your mind around your baby's 18 today yeah it's it's just amazing actually it's one of those things where you just kind of go wow like where did the time go where did the years go yeah, yeah and so we're, we're excited he's gonna he's gonna be going into an apprenticeship so we're again excited that we we have a you know we have a, a child going into the trades and we're excited that, you know, he's going to be part of the solution going forward. Amazing. Will you let him know that team real talk wishes him a very happy 18th birthday to Aiden. I will let him know. Thanks so much for letting me do that. Take care. Oh, Shauna, anytime. We love it. Thanks very much. That's Shauna Feth, president and CEO of Alberta Chambers of Commerce. That, uh, that uh, political action day and the MLA dinner again, that's March 14th. That's open to anybody. You can get your tickets at abchamber.ca. Just scroll down the, the page. I've been doing that, uh, that political panel for years now and uh, it's great they do this you know they call it chatham house rules i don't know mm-hmm. if everybody's familiar with that but chatham house is the, the rule is basically uh whatever is said in the room stays in the room mm-hmm. it's kind of like the fancier more credible version of what happens in vegas stays in vegas uh but chatham house is like <laughs> okay. you, you know so people can't uh you can't like tweet or like t- you know spread the word or do newspaper interviews and say what people were saying on the stage. Okay. It's for the people in the room. So it brings out the best in political commentary because people say what they really think. And it's so much fun. The drama. I love the drama. The gossip. Is that a Taylor Swift reference? I was uh, No, not at I've been, all. I've been trying to find myself a cool Taylor Swift t-shirt <laughs> for hosting the Super Bowl party. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm learning all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I went with one that says... Um, 
Go Taylor's boyfriend. (laughs) I'm going to get one that says Taylor Swift wins the Super Bowl because I think that's (laughs) basically what's going to happen. Yeah, the hundred percent. Coming up in just a second, we want to get to some of your emails. Uh, Hey, listen, we're going to we want to put our money where our mouth is. We invite your feedback. We 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 welcome uh, and uh, sure appreciate it to talk at RyanJesperson.com or of course you can hit us up on our social channels and and we've been quite frankly our inbox is absolutely slammed. As a matter of fact, real talkers, I'm going to blame you because. I've been missing some things in my inbox and I can't stay on top of it because so many of you are so engaged and this is a wonderful problem to have for a talk show like this. And so we're going to do everything we can, probably every episode this week, to, to leave some time to give you the floor and hear what you have to say about what you're seeing going around you in news, politics, and yeah, even pop culture. But first, let me remind you with all this talk about the labor market and where it's going and talented individuals graduating from post-secondaries and immediately entering Uh, new opportunities in the job market. Uh, If that's you, if you're intrigued by this, maybe you're lacking a little direction or maybe you're feeling like there's barriers in your way, like scheduling or even geography. You don't live anywhere near a post-secondary and you're not sure you can afford to to move to the big city or to go somewhere away from mom and dad's or wherever you've been living. Whatever the case is, Athabasca University has got a whole different game. World-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. It means if you need to take a break to go on vacation or to help somebody out or for a mental health break or because you just don't feel like studying that week, whatever it is, you're never falling behind because you're dictating the pace of your studies. There's a ton of resources there as well, which you can learn more about. Their online undergrad programs, their online grad programs. They've got a great MBA program as an example, plus a lot of financial resources and supports available, student assistance and the like. You can follow the links. It's a wonderful website to navigate nice and easy at AthabascaU.ca. Are you thinking about maybe reinventing your outdoor space this spring? It's going to be here before you know it, which means now's the time you want to get that design conversation started. We recommend Eden Landscaping. They've been bringing outdoor spaces to life for more than 20 years in Edmonton and surrounding area. And of course, their offerings are as diverse as the customer base. Some of you want modern. Some of you want more natural beauty. Some of you want the big stunning stonework installations. And there's those that want what I want, which is the dream outdoor kitchen with that Forno pizza oven. That'll be next on our list. If you're dreaming something up, but you're ready to make it a reality, you can find Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And before we get to your emails, a quick reminder from our friends at Complete Care Restoration that if you find yourself in a tough spot, if you find yourself devastated by flood, fire, maybe you were doing a basic home reno, at least that's what you were expecting, and then you've discovered asbestos or maybe black mold, they are experts from emergency mitigation to detailed reconstruction, handling every aspect of the job with utmost care and dedication. They've been doing it for more than 25 years. We've seen them in action. They built our studio. You can get in touch with the team at Complete Care Restoration by visiting them online at completecarerestoration.ca. So we heard from uh, Kyle uh, the other week, and we included Kyle's email. He had uh, attended a town hall on the Alberta pension plan, and he talked about an NDP plant. 
at the meeting, you know, somebody that was there on behalf of the party, but pretending like they weren't planted in the audience to maybe lob softballs at the panelists or whatever the case may be. We read Kyle's email. We included it in the flamethrower on Friday. That's our, you know, one of our favorite weekly traditions. We wrap up our week with your emails, the, the stuff that needs to be said, loud, hot takes, you know, sometimes profane and always to the point. Well, you'll never believe what we received. A note from David who claims that he is who was described as the NDP plant. David says, Jespo, I was just listening to your flamethrower segment on Real Talk. David, thanks for it. He says, I couldn't help but notice that listener Kyle refers to me in his email. See, everybody listens to the podcast. He says, I attended a pension town hall a couple of months back in Strathcona County where a guy by the name of Kyle spoke in favor of exploring the Alberta pension plan, citing some Fraser Institute numbers. And I, and I spoke after Kyle and I voiced concern about the Fraser Institute's credibility as an objectively right-wing think tank. And I talked about my unease with hypothetical APPs, Alberta pension plan, and that smaller investment pool. Now, while the room was by and large opposed to an Alberta pension plan, the conversation was mutually respectful and productive, in my opinion. I actually went to talk to Kyle after the event, and I found our exchange to be pleasant and respectful. He says, I don't recall mentioning politics at all in that short interaction. And for the record, Kyle didn't ask many people for their take on the APP versus the Canada pension plan, as he claims to you. Now, I don't know for sure if I'm the so-called NDP plant and a baby, which is how Kyle described it. He says, but I don't know, pension town hall, only two guys under 35 years old. David says, I'm 17. A perceived NDP plant, a conservative named Kyle. He says, I mean, I don't know. It just all adds up to me. So to Kyle, says David, and I'm happy to be the messenger here, John. I'm happy to provide this service. He says, I take your point, Kyle, about destructive polarization in politics, but your arguments fall flat with hypocrisy when you're made up inflated case studies of righteous NDPers screaming Danielle Smith bad on every issue when you're the one baselessly name calling from behind a screen. He says, I would have happily bought you a beer after the town hall, but after your email to Real Talk, says David, I'm revoking the offer. Oh, that from David. Perceived NDP plant, perceived baby. 17 years of age, love hearing from our audience members of that next generation, knowing that we're hearing from people that are at the different stages in life, obviously seeing different issues through different lenses. Uh, it, 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 honestly, it honestly makes me so happy to hear that. Interesting email here from Robert, who wrote in uh, just this morning, about 7.30 this morning to us, uh, and his subject line, Smith's Diversion Tactics Work. He says, uh, good morning, Real Talkers. Uh, coincidence that Daniel Smith announced these new policies on transgender Albertans. Have you noticed all other issues have all but disappeared locally and internationally? He says, I searched Danielle Smith, Alberta Premier on Google this morning. He says, you get her office website, you get details about the party and the headlines, all of them about the policy announcement from last week. He says just days prior to her announcement, the, the pressure on topics like uh, homelessness, the opioid crisis, the environment, that pressure was mounting. He says, I think the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, can thank Danielle Smith as he's even had a small break dealing with many issues other than this policy on transgender Albertans. Rob who signs off a like lifelong Albertan, says Danielle Smith has a long list of issues to deal with in her hand. But last week, she held up her other hand with a new policy and said, look over here. And guess what? We all did. 
meanwhile forgetting what she was holding in the other hand. Rob says, welcome to Politics 101. That from Rob. I appreciate that. And then we got one from Brent, who says, Jespo, I've been watching your shows with great interest, including Friday's Real Talk Roundtable. Uh, which I thought was really great, by the way. Uh, My words, not Brent's. Brent said, you said something in the roundtable that made me think. Uh, This is the February 2nd episode. He says, you said something to the effect of people not believing the experts. And I alluded to it. I talked about polling and trends that show that public trust is eroding in institutions like post-secondary institutions, healthcare, the media. It's everywhere. Just Google it and you'll find those studies for yourself. Brent says that sat with me for a bit and it prompted this question like who gets to decide who an expert is and who's not Brent says through all this COVID BS and and topics thereafter people kept saying experts say this or professionals say that and Brent says and I understand that finding people to speak to a subject is an important part of the media game but what makes the people that you or anybody else puts on their show to be the hear all and all experts he says i could research the shit out of something and find an entirely different group of experts but does that make them the end result brent says hell no so i'm wondering why we are to always take the media's word on who the experts are because what i've seen says brent is that any proclaimed expert can either be quite biased on a subject or can be swayed from one side to the other or to the point of becoming a downright cheerleader He says, media ain't the be-all and end-all either. Brent signs off, my thoughts, not yours, respectfully, Brent. And I appreciate that. I mean, here's the short answer, and we've talked to Timothy Caulfield about this before, uh, an expert in health law and policy out of the University of Alberta, the author of many different books, including his Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything. That's one of my favorite books of his. And I know that the name Professor Timothy Caulfield even triggers some people, but we've talked to him about expertise and experts and bias and research funding. And it is a fascinating conversation, and I don't mind speaking to it, Brent. On a show like this, we assume that there's a minimum standard of what this audience will accept and what we will accept when it comes to guests. And so if we're talking to you about things like a pandemic, I mean, I look back to our shows in November of 2020 and you know January and February of 2021 when we were still in the midst of it. It's all we were talking about to a certain degree. The experts we're going to talk to are medical experts in their field. And some people can say, well, I don't care about the, 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 you know, the letters at the end of somebody's name. You know, you're, you're, a, you're, you're a PhD in this or you're, you're a doctor in that or you're a graduate of this medical school or a graduate of that law school or whatever the case may be. I don't care about the letters behind the name. Well, number one, that might be where you start to lose me. Because while I may not agree with everything that somebody with three or four degrees behind their name has to say, I would suggest that their understanding of that subject matter, their grasp of that subject matter is better than ours, the average civilian. Now, of course, you will always have the right to disagree with what you hear. But to a certain point, we must acknowledge that there are facts and there are opinions. The facts are what matter most on talk shows, but the opinions are what drive the talk shows right i mean i would maybe invoke the uh, the the idea of, of of a trial where there's an agreed a submission of fact both sides agree both sides will essentially 
sign off on something and say, here's what we can all agree to, okay? And so we'll get to a point, whether it's the pandemic or whether we're talking about matters of the economy or this, that, or the other, what's prompting inflation, who's responsible for higher interest rates, those types of things. There are facts and there are opinions. Now, a talk show that is devoid of facts does not deserve your time. A talk show that pays no attention to opinions is going to be boring as hell. So when it comes to the experts, some of the voices that you'll hear on this show are just as a simple fact, experts. It's obvious. They've spent years and years in medical school. They're working in their fields. They understand how, you know, uh, you know, uh, how the oil industry works, or they understand why solar's not a joke, or they understand what prompts inflation and how that translates into where the housing markets are going. And then you're going to hear guests that bring opinion. Charles Adler brings opinion every single Monday. We're going to have people that are that are checking in from all around the world. I mean, we we had a wonderful the Sarah Bisbee joined us off the top of my head a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, maybe talking about her family going car free. Is Sarah an expert on that well through her lived experience she has some expertise in what it's like for for a family of six to live in the suburbs and to get rid of their minivan and and go exclusively to a an e-bike and electric bike lifestyle but can you disagree with what sarah has to say sure she's not she's the expert on it based on her own personal experience but if you choose to disregard where she's coming from doesn't bother us, doesn't matter to us. So, Brent, I understand in this day and age, the joke that we see on social media all the time is people doing their own research, right? I did my own research, and I found that the pandemic's not real. COVID was cooked up in a lab, and it's fake. Justin Trudeau is using COVID through the World Economic Forum to create these slaves to commerce, and Bitcoin's coming in, and you get all the conspiracy theories from people that have done their own research, just because you've done a lot of research on Reddit and other online forums doesn't make you an expert, but it may fuel your opinion. And we always want to be open to opinions. Some of them we'll consider deeply. Some of them will change our minds, quite frankly. And some of them we'll dismiss outright in so many ways as you may dismiss outright the opinions that you hear on the show. And that's totally fine. Our one mandate here on this show is to deliver credible perennially curious talk, curious talk on news, politics, and pop culture, on real issues that matter to real Canadians. And we'll continue to do that. And we invite your criticism. We invite you to hold our feet to the fire. If you hear something on this show that you absolutely disagree with and you want to make a compelling argument against it, we welcome that to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Every week... The first episode of the week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy give us an opportunity to shrug off, to shake off all of this real life kind of news cycle stuff and take a second to focus on the pure positives, the stuff that's restoring our faith in humanity. We harness positive energy and renew that faith courtesy of Kubi and this week, it seems fitting to take the opportunity to thank everybody, the hundreds of people that showed up to the third annual Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, in addition to being our Jersey Name Bar sponsors, were also there 
entering their own team into the mix. There were 24 teams in all at the beautifully flooded Larry Alexiak Field in the city of St. Albert. And a huge shout out to the city of St. Albert for rolling out the red carpet for us and to the Canadian Progress Club St. Albert chapter for making this happen. 24 teams of six players plus family members, fans in the community, uh, supporters of the charities that benefit from this annual event. That's uncles and aunts at large, which is providing resources for single parent families and for Kids Sport St. Albert, which covers some of the costs associated with sport, uh, registration fees and equipment and the like. We had a ton of people out enjoying the weather. Johnny and I were a little bit nervous that at three degrees Celsius, that ice might start to melt, but no, it held up absolutely beautifully. We had wonderful competition through the day, double cheeseburgers from our friends at DQ. The beers were cold, courtesy of our friends at Central Social Hall. And of course, smiles smeared across the faces of everybody there, including, by the way, former Edmonton Oilers defenseman Ladislav Smeed, yeah. who is out there going for a twirl. Uh, we were suggesting we're going to have to load up Team Real Talk with a few more ringers next year to keep up with Laddie Smeed <laughs> and his boys. But so much fun out there. Had an absolute blast. And at the end of the day, as we made our way through the round robin skates and then the playoffs and of course you know this is ultimately why we had to mention this at this point in the show the winners the champions of the 2024 real talk pond hockey classic it's team hat trick swayze and team hat trick swayze featuring isn't that such a good name it's one of the best names there uh the winners all of them employees of you got it kubi renewable energy yes so a big shout out to team kubi we had the best dj in alberta there spinning our tunes that was johnny infamous and again a huge shout out to the city of st albert and to our friends at the canadian progress club st albert chapter that's craig strain mark cardinal and everybody else thanks to those of you that showed up many of you uh audience members of this show community members of this show volunteering uh, like we said helping people park helping that ice service get set up making sure that the registration went smoothly selling those 50 50 tickets it means so much to us that you believe as strongly as we do that community is more important now than ever it's the bedrock upon which this show is built and a big shout out goes to our friends at kubi renewable energy for their steadfast support of the real talk pond hockey classic if you have a positive reflection you'd love for us to feature you can send it by email to talk at ryanjesperson.com make sure you punch positive reflections into the subject line of that email coming up on tomorrow's show we're going to be checking in with journalist mel woods mel grew up in alberta now working and living in vancouver a trans journalist with a very interesting and of course lived experience take on what's happening here in the province wednesday kathleen ganley will be joining us in studio she's announcing her candidacy for the ndp leadership race today that's monday Uh, we'll sit down with her wednesday if you have a question you know where to send it in and coming up on friday i want to give you a heads up our real talk roundtable is going to focus on burn awareness week you want to get real that's exactly what we're going to do coming up on friday's show thanks in advance for joining us we'll talk to you soon real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson executive producer josh dunford technical producer john hicks 
General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.